This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I don't know if you know this or not, but Paul talks a lot about the glory of God. A lot about it. The Bible's full of the word glory. But since we don't talk about it much, most people fail to recognize that to be true. Notice what Paul said right into the Corinthians. Um, let's start reading in verse 5. Paul said, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. Paul saying, I'm not bragging on me. But our sufficiency is of God. Everything I've got to brag about is because God gave it to me. In other words, he's saying everything that, that I might have good to say about myself or that I've experienced is because of the wow factors and wow moments of God. I'm just recounting wow moments. Who, speaking of God, verse 6, also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Now stop and think about what he's saying. He's saying, you remember what it was like in the Old Testament. You remember what they, the story they told about Moses, about how Moses went up to the mountain uh, in uh, uh, Mount Sinai. He got the Ten Commandments. He came down from the, uh, the mountain with the Ten Commandments, and the people couldn't stand to look at his face because his face was shining. Moses seemed to be the only one. That, I don't know why, but this strikes me as such an interesting thing. Moses seems to be the only one that didn't know that he was lit up. That's the effect that I think the glory of God should have upon us. It lights us up so that other people see it, but we might not be as aware of what they're seeing as, as they are. But the people certainly made him aware of it. They said, Moses, could you cover yourself up? And that's exactly what he did. Now, the Bible says, talks about, Paul is talking about, and here's part of the mystery. Paul talks about the glory of the Old Testament. He said, if the Old Testament, if just being in the presence of God to get stone tablets without having a change on the inside, Moses wasn't saved. If just being in the presence of God could have an effect on your physical body in that way, should not the New Testament or the New Covenant, whereby we're made new from the inside, be even more glorious? Now, folks, I don't know about you, but I see healing in these scriptures. How could the glory of God have an effect in the Old Testament with people that weren't even born again? People that weren't changed, their lives weren't changed from the inside. They weren't redeemed. How could their bodies be changed under the Old Covenant to such a, to such a degree that their face shined? That's certainly a physical manifestation, isn't it? How could that not include healing for those of us who have been changed from the inside out? And I think this is exactly what Romans 8 to 11 is talking about. Paul said, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. He will quicken your mortal body. He'll change your flesh. So he says, if the ministry of death, talking about Moses in the Ten Commandments, if the ministry of death was glorious and that was just part time, that's going to be done away with as soon as Jesus comes on the scene. If that was glorious, how can the ministry of life, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, not be more glorious? 
Verse 9. For this administration of condemnation be glory. And that's all the law was. All the law did was told you how you couldn't do it on yourself. Or by yourself. All the law. Paul tells us this. The only thing that the law was good for was to show you you needed a savior. You couldn't do it on your own. You needed a savior. Well, why? Because the law kept showing you where you fall short. The law was all about condemnation. The whole purpose for the law was to show you, you can't do it. You're falling short here. You're falling short there. You're falling short everywhere. So you need somebody to do what you can't do for you. He said, if the ministry of condemnation was glorious, how much more then? Does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory? This word exceed is pretty tame because it means so far beyond it shouldn't even be compared. I mean, we could say that there are tribes in Africa maybe that have weapons, but their weapons are spears and rocks. And there are weapons that America has that are nuclear bombs. How do you compare those two? That's what he's saying. If the ministration of the Old Testament was glorious, how much more? is the ministry of the New Testament. It can't even be compared. It exceeds in glory. Verse 10, For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect. Here he's talking about the the lack of comparison. By reason of the glory that excels, that means the present day, modern day, Jesus day glory. For if that which was done away with was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of what was a, end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. In other words, he's saying the veil was something that he had to hide himself from the people so as not to scare them. But for those that haven't received Jesus, that veil is still on their on their hearts. He's talking about the Jews specifically. He said they still read the Old Testament, but they don't understand. The, the thing that takes away the veil is Jesus. Folks, i got to tell you something. There's still a veil on a lot of people's hearts after they get saved. And until you start renewing your mind to the word, that veil is not going to be lifted. Doctrine, denominational doctrine, wrong teaching can keep a veil on your heart to keep you out of the glory of God. Paul's going to say so. He's going to keep, if we keep reading, he's going to tell us. Verse 15, but even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. He's talking about the Jews. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, notice what he says. He's going to tell us how to grow in the glory of God. He's going to tell you how to manifest the glory of God in your life. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass. The word glass is the word mirror. He's saying the word is a mirror. Folks, the Old Testament was a mirror too. It showed you where you fell short. The New Testament is the mirror that shows you who Jesus is. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a a glass or a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So what's he saying? He's saying you can grow in the glory of God. 
He's saying the thing that does that work in you is the Spirit of God. But the way that the Spirit of God causes you to grow from glory to glory is by looking at yourself in the Word. By looking at yourself in the Word. He's telling us very simply, if you want to know what the glory of God is all about, number one, look at Jesus. What do we do? That? How do we do that? We see Jesus in his earthly ministry. Jesus never came upon a situation that says, oh, God's not going to do anything about this. Never came upon a situation that says, well, you know, some things are too hard for God. Never came upon any situation that he wasn't willing to help if the people would believe. Now, many, many times he put it back over on them. The man whose son was possessed with the devil. He said, Master, if you can do anything, have mercy on me and help me. Jesus said, it's not a matter of what I can do. If you can believe, all things are possible. He tried to throw it on Jesus. Make it Jesus' responsibility. And Jesus said, all you got to do is believe. It's not up to me. It's up to you. People came to Jesus for healing. And Jesus would ask them. He said, believe you that I can do this? Do you believe I can do this? That must be a real important thing then, folks. Us taking a step of reaching out and believing what we've either heard or what the Bible says about God, right things that we've heard, and accurate depictions of the Scripture must be real important for God to be able to do His thing. Why? Because you have authority in your life, not God. You have authority in your life. Turn with me to Isaiah 43. I'll close with this. I know time's running out. But turn with me to Isaiah 43. I want you to see something here. Now, you may think from reading some of the, the beginning scriptures that this is written about Israel. But it's not, and I'll show you why it's not. Well, uh, let me qualify that. It does have an application to Israel, natural, day, uh, natural Israel, but it has more of an application to the church. Paul talked about this in talking to the Romans. He said, not all Israel is Israel. That seems kind of confusing. What's he saying? He's saying not all the natural descendants of Israel are the Israel that God made promises to. Well, who is then? Those that have made Jesus the Lord of their lives. If you're Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So Isaiah 43 has a, has a, a twofold meaning. It has a meaning toward the people of Israel back then, but it also has a meaning toward us, the church now. And I'll prove it to you from verse 1. He says, Isaiah 43, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by my name. Thou art mine. Folks, when Isaiah was prophesying these things by the Spirit of the Lord, God hadn't redeemed Israel. He hadn't redeemed Israel. He'd given them the law, but that wasn't redemption. He'd given them a ritual sacrifice, but that wasn't redemption. No, the redemption he's talking about is that which belongs to everybody in Christ. Now, Jew or Gentile alike, anybody can be saved by just accepting the sacrifice that Jesus made. But Israel as a group, as a people that he's talking about, has more of a reference to the church than it has to, na- to the natural people, children of, or natural descendants of Israel, of, the, of Abraham, excuse me. Do you see what I'm saying? So he says, I've redeemed you. I've called you by my name. You're mine. That's a good thing to remember. When you're in the middle of trouble, the devil tells you what he's going to do to you. It's a good thing to say, wait a minute. The Bible says I'm God's. 
When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Now, that's good news. When you walk uh, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. That's good when you're walking through the fire. That's good to know when it looks like that everything's going to swamp you. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises up a standard against him. Sometimes it looks like we're going under, doesn't it? And so many people cry out and say, well, how could this happen? I thought the Bible says God will protect me. Well, he will, but it takes faith on your part too. Here's the promise of God. I'll be with you when you walk through the water. I'll be with you when you walk through the fire. For I, verse 3, I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia, and see before thee. Now here it's talking about some things where natural Israel is concerned. So it does, it has to have a dual application, right? Since thou was precious, verse 4, since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. By the way, verse, uh, verse 4 is a real good promise if you're looking for somebody to help. Whatever your situation is. God said, I'd give men to help you. And people for your life. Verse 5, fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from uh, and from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even everyone that is called by na- my name. Now, that had a natural application to Israel, but also has an application to the church. Verse 7, even everyone that is called my name. For, look at this, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. You know what verse 7 is saying? Verse 7 is saying God created you for one purpose, and that was for his glory, for the glory of God to be in and on you. That's why God created you. God's telling them from the Old Testament, he's given them hints, but nobody could understand the mystery. How is anybody going to have the glory of God? They know that Adam had the glory of God, but they know that Adam lost the glory of God. How is anybody going to have the glory of God? They couldn't figure it out. That's the mystery that was revealed to Paul. But here's the Bible telling you straight up what you were created for. So many people are looking for their purpose. Well, I just wish I knew why God put me here on the earth. Verse 7, he created you for his glory. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. But healing school is not a a healing uh, crusade. We're here week after week after week. Healing evangelists a lot of times can come in, blow in, blow up, and blow out. People come, have hands laid on, you get some results, some miracles type things will take place but then not everybody receives and then afterwards the healing evangelist is gone and we're left with the people that didn't get anything what happened what's wrong with me that's not what these healing school services are this is healing school that means we're here week after week after week we're going to deal with the same thing next week that we dealt with last week the person that comes tonight and for whatever reason doesn't receive their healing we're going to be here next week to help you to get it again that's healing school each Sunday night led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to MikeWeb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So many people are looking for their purpose. Well, I just wish I knew why God put me here on the earth. Verse 7, He created you for His glory. 
He created you for his glory. You know what I found? I found, well, maybe I should say it this way. I haven't found anybody that operates in the glory of God in their life that's bored. I haven't found anybody that operates in the glory of God in their life that's without purpose. I can't find anybody that has experienced the glory of God in their life and walks in it that doesn't know what God wants them to do. I can't find anybody that's experienced the glory of God in their life and walks in it regularly that really is seriously tempted to backslide. What does the devil have to offer you that's better than the glory of God? Folks, there is nothing. There is nothing. But if you're still living the life like the children of Israel did in Egypt, where you got to water by foot, and boy, every day is a drudge, and you got to go get straw and make bricks, and oh, man, this is so tough. And you never know what's going to happen. God might just, you know, want to teach you something and just throw cancer on you. Gosh. That's not the way God works, folks. Paul said right into the church, Second Corinthians chapter... Um, Chapter 3? No, chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul said by the Holy Ghost, he said, you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That means if sickness attacks me, I have a responsibility because I've been bought and paid for. I have a responsibility to manifest the glory of God and healing in my life. Now, I'm not trying to put anybody else under condemnation, but that's where I'm at. I've got a responsibility toward God because I'm not myself. I'm not my own. I don't belong to me. So if the devil attacks me with sickness, and he does sometimes, if the devil attacks me with sickness, I have a responsibility to my owner, which is God, to manifest, to appropriate the glory of God regarding healing in my body because my body belongs to him and not to me. That's how serious this stuff is for me, folks. I, I don't know about you. I hope it is, but, it, you know, everybody makes their own decision. But that's how serious this is to, for me. I don't have a choice. Now, you understand how I mean that. Certainly, I can choose not to exercise my authority and just roll over and let the devil do whatever he wants to. But what I'm saying is, because I know that I have been bought by the Lord, the choice really isn't mine. I'm the one that makes it. But because I've already committed myself to do what the Bible says to do, that choice is made up front. You understand what I mean by that? See, some people could take that and run off and say, well, see, it's all God, whether God does or doesn't do, it's whatever his will is. It's not what I'm saying at all. Are you aware of how many times Paul talks about the riches of his glory? He talks about the riches of the glory of your inheritance. He talks about the riches of the glory in the saints. When Paul talks about the glory of God, he talks about benefits of the glory of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is God's original plan. Oh, Pastor Mike, that's what I want. Pray for me that I'll have the glory of God in my life. Well, that means I'd have to pray for you to get saved. Because every believer has access to it. Every believer has access to it. Every believer. Can I prove that to you? I promise I will quit with this. Romans chapter 5. 
Romans chapter 5. We'll start reading in verse 1. Paul said, therefore, being justified. The Greek literally means, therefore, having been justified. He proves his point of justification in chapter 4. So he's saying, therefore, we, having been justified by faith, have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not saying you can't have that. He says you do have that because you've been justified by faith. Now, you may have to take advantage of that. You may have to appropriate that in order to realize it in your life. But that's what's yours already. You don't have to pray for peace. It's yours. By whom? By Jesus. Also, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, let's take that apart. What's he saying? He's saying we have access by faith into everything that Jesus did. We have access by faith into the favor of God. Uh, the peace of God does not just mean, you know, the a feeling of calm. He's talking about the peace of God, meaning God is on your side in every possible way. Peace has been made once and for all. You need to deal with the thought that maybe you've done something wrong and God's against you. Because the Bible says you have peace with God. Now, the mirror you're supposed to look at says you have peace with God. You've already been justified by the by the blood of Jesus. It's a done deal. It's finished. It's a completed work. It's not something you have to do to make God happy with you now. You are in God's family. He loves you. He is so happy with you. He is thrilled with you because of what he's put in you. Now, you may not be living up to everything yet, but he still loves you. He's still on your side. What would your kids have to do for you to be against them? I can't come up with anything. I don't know what my kids could do to me to make me against them. I may not be happy with the way they're living. I may not be happy with what they say. I may not be happy with the way they're acting. But I love them and I'm on their side and I'll do anything for them no matter what. Won't you? Well, how much more is God a better father than us? Or a better parent than us? That's what he's saying. You've been justified already, so you have peace with God. God is on your side in everything. He's on your side where finances are concerned. He's on your side where healing is concerned. He's on your side where your family is concerned, your family relationships are concerned. He's on your side in every area of life. He's on your side. He's not working against you. He's never going to be your problem. He's on your side. That's what that means. And it says it's already happened. Having been justified, we have peace with God. Folks, you can't mess that up. Because it comes not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did. And because we have peace with God through Jesus, by whom, by him also, verse 2, we have access by faith into this grace. Now, what is grace? Graces are the riches of his glory. Grace is the riches of his glory. It's everything that Jesus purchased for you. That's why he's on your side where healing is concerned. That's why he's on your side where finances are concerned. That's why he's on your side in every area, on your job, in your, in, in, in your, your family situation. He's on your side in every area. By whom also we have access, how? By faith. That means you've got to believe something to be true that may not look like, like is true for you. Faith means you have to accept something to be a reality when it might not look like it's a reality for you. It means you have to accept that you're righteous when it doesn't look like you're living righteously. It means you have to accept that you're healed when it doesn't look like healing is yours. It means you have to accept you've been made rich by the poverty of Jesus when it looks like you don't have enough to get through the week. 
It means you have to accept by faith unseen things because the Bible says they're yours. And that's how you access every part of the riches of the glory of his, of, uh, of the Lord. So we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And now what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to rejoice in the hope of his glory. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now he's not talking about we rejoice hoping for heaven someday. He says we rejoice in the hope of his manifested presence. A wow moment to change things around. That's what we ought to be thanking God for. Yeah, Pastor Mike, you're talking a lot about the glory of God, but I don't see much glory of God in my life. We'll start thanking him for it. Believe what the Bible says to be true and start thanking him for it. When Jesus showed up in Lazarus, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Mary and Martha are there and they're crying. Oh, he loved you so much. I wish you could have been here and done something about it. Jesus told one of the sisters, I don't remember which one it was, Mary, I think it was. He told Mary... If you will believe, you will see the glory of God. Faith is necessary. That means you have to accept to be true what the Bible says, no matter what it looks like around you. That's the mirror that we look in. This word that tells us how things are. This word that tells us what really was accomplished. This is the mirror we have to look in. And it says, while we behold, as in a mirror... The face of the Lord were changed from glory to glory. What does that mean? That means as we believe it, as we rejoice in it, as we confess it, you'll see more and more of the glory of God in your life. Folks, the Bible says God's coming for a glorious church. Jesus is coming for a glorious church. He's coming for a glorious church, and that that church is made glorious through the word of God. You know what I keep hearing in my spirit? I keep trying to, I keep trying to emphasize this. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get there or not. So let me just tell you. You know what I keep hearing over and over and over again in my spirit? I keep hearing these words. I'm tired of my people living below the level of my glory. That's what I keep hearing the Holy Ghost saying. Now I accept that for me. I'm tired of living at a low level too. And whatever level we're on, we can always go to a higher level. We're changed from glory to glory. That means we can always grow. We can always increase. But that's what I keep hearing the Holy Ghost say. I'm tired of my people living on a low level of glory. Aren't you tired too? God's plan, which was the mystery that he hid from the world from the beginning was to live in us. His plan is for you to manifest his presence and his power in your everyday life. Come join us at Foothill Family Church as we learn how to manifest the glory of God together. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. My mother called up and said, you have to turn on the TV, you have to watch this man. Suddenly we're watching it every Sunday. It started the whole, well, maybe we should go to church. It's going to get out of our pajamas on Sunday morning, and we're going to go to church. And now you can't get us to not come to church. And pastors teaching, you know, it was outstanding on television, but you were kind of shocked by how much more there was 
when it wasn't just the half an hour, but you know his full message. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.